Illum kifett il-komittar kmini għanna u kol intervista illi jina għamilt sentejn ilu ma John Lucas with the man illi sallu min kejja u kol s-situazzjoni tasaħtu għadu u kol għattif fiċxena muzikali min ħabba li uwa fiddarti għaw jirrekordja program li xandar permets ta' l-istazzjon Channel Radio John Lucas Wooden Man illum il-ġurnata jiex kent dana l-istazzjon u stazzjon zajr illi xandar fdaw kalakwati u għawnek jiena u koll għandi ftit intervisti illi juhduna l-ura għal 50 sena jilu għall-era ta' Kent of Four Toulouse illi fil-sena 2020 għanfakru u koll anniversarju speċjali għalek rit illi n-includi u koll dina l-intervista kif għedin għanfakru u koll il-50 anniversarju mil-ħruġ ta' dina il-song illi kienet suċċes gbir għalik fl-Europa u għanka fil-Libanu izda għem ħafna u ħafna f-fajiet uħra illi wieħet jistaj apprezza u koll f-dina l-intervista illi għamilt ma' John Lucas Mela, l-awwal mistoqsija ija dwar il-son kanta fuħt l-uz illi kienet taħtek suċċes gbir nixtiq nibda bijam il-lawwet minħabba li ija silta illi kienet taħtek ħafna, ħafna suċċess, imma għabel maġidan il-suċċess, x-kont ezzettament taħmel, kont tappartjeni ma' diklera ta' snin sittin, ta' nofsi snin sittin, meta kienem revival, mux revival attualment, meta kienem għaw min skiħ, min nis li kienu zaħzaħ, bħalek, brajnuna u koll ta' Rediffusion, u ta' nis bħal mibki ġow grima, u għanka Norman Hamilton, u għanka Victor Galdes, il-li kienu jamlu l-Gran Gala Maltija, il-li daħlu programmi ġodda, il-li daħlet u koll il-muzika pop, il-li kienet daħlet fil-Ingilterra, bil-sakħa ta' gruppi bħal Beatles, u għanka Rolling Stones, u The Who, inti kont tappartjeni ma' dak il-movement, kont kanta ximkien, għabel ma' b'dejt b'dan din s-song? Oh, what a question. Of course, I... In the 60s, today's uh, deputy leader of the Labour Party, Louis Gregg, had a band called the Fenders. <laughs> and uh, he had Sonny Monte as a singer. And uh, Sonny Monte uh, wanted to try his luck in London and said to me, Lucas, when I leave, you can get into the Fenders. So I tried to get into the Fenders, and Louis Gregg, I think, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not certain whether it was him or somebody else, but they didn't want me. <laughs> but they said to me, why don't you, you're a good friend of Winston, Montanaro Gauci. I said, yes. Uh, uh, they said, well, tell him to give us a call, you know, like, because there was a guy called Joe Braxton, who was leaving the band, and they wanted, I think Louis wanted, um, Winston Montanaro Gauci for, for, to be the guitarist. Anyway, cut a long story short, uh, Winston wangled me in because he said if I want him as a vocal, if he comes, I come, something like that. Uh, something of the sort. So that was my start uh, with the Fenders. Uh, I never knew uh, Joe Grima, I never knew Norman Hamilton and those, and I think my first plug on television, which did very, very well, was uh, due to Dun Charles Vera, Vela. Vela, yes, he's still alive. God bless him, and uh, if you meet him, give him my, my warmest regards. He lives in Milan, I think. Okay, he gave me, he gave me my first break on television, and it went down amazingly well because it, there weren't programs like that on, on local television. And that was it. Um, and that was my first experience. Um, uh, you mentioned Joe Grima and, and Norman Hamilton. They only came back later in the 70s when uh, uh, EMI sent, obviously EMI Columbia signed me and uh, sent uh, uh, can't afford to lose in a demo to to all the the countries, all the major stations in the country, and apparently when uh, when uh, uh, Norman Hamilton received the package, and in the bio he he read that I was Maltese, he freaked on it, and and 
that was it. Um, he, he loved the song, but the fact that I was the first Maltese uh, in, in, in Malta music history to cross over to the British charts, uh, he, he was, uh, he was uh, very excited about it and he was playing it quite a lot. But the major success that gave, uh, gave uh, Carnival to lose the biggest boost was Radio Luxembourg because Radio Luxembourg embraced it at the time, which you remember, which you remember um, uh, quite yeah. well, it was like today's MTV. Mm -hmm. On radio. On radio, like it, was, it, was, it was the star. Kit Jensen. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and they were playing it three times a night, and uh, that's what gave it. As a power play. That it, it was a power play. Yes, yes, yeah. indeed. afford to lose fil-fatt għanda il-pinna ta' Gary Benson issa, you know, Gary Benson niftakru permits ta' song Don't Throw It All Away kienet One Hit Wonder song ta' jibba ħafna kif kont il-tqajt miħaw Gary Benson? Well, actually, uh, <laughs> it's a long story um, uh, I, I, I got this situation through going up to sing once being dead by, uh, by some friends when we went out uh, and uh, and I went up to sing summertime and uh, cut a long story short Henry Hathaway heard me and he came up to the bar gave me his card 
And he said, uh, I'm a producer for EMI, um, blah, blah, blah. Come and see me in the office if you want to. Uh, I'm interested in recording you. Anyway, I uh, met him the day after. Uh, we went up to Denmark Street, got into Noel Gay Music, which was uh, R- Richard Armitage at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about that era. Um, and there was Ron McCrate, uh, Paul Rodriguez, who uh, actually arranged I Can't Afford to Lose. He was, he was one of David Bowie's band at the mm-hmm. time. And... Uh, Gary was introduced to me as a songwriter and he came in with the guitar to play the song that I was supposed to record which was Can't Afford to Lose and he played it uh, I told him to take a C chord and, and uh, I sang it they all looked at each other in the room they went okay tomorrow at Abbey Road um, I must say that afterwards I realised uh, I think it Years after this, I realized how all this came by. What, what was actually going on, which I didn't know, was that uh, 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 Henry Hathaway had, had booked... Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, There's a place for walks up in a place. Matt Monroe? No, um, he used to cut his trousers on stage. PJ Proby. PJ Proby. PJ Proby, all right, yes. PJ Proby. PJ Proby was supposed to do the song, mm-hmm. and, and he never turned up. Apparently, they had a, a 40, 50 piece band or orchestra, but BBC Orchestra waiting in the studio twice already, and he never turned up. He was doing drugs and what's that. Mm-hmm. So what they, so now I know how it all came by that Henry Hathaway heard me sing. He thought I could hack the song and I might as well start with a, with an unknown instead of, you know, mm-hmm. to fill in the blanks because they were, the project so was going down the drain. It really came by coincidence. Then. It was, it was. And the most uh, dramatic thing that I remember walking into Everett Studios, you know, there was about four or five studios. And in, in Studio One or Studio Two, there was still the equipment of the Beatles. And this wasn't their breakup because they were still hoping, EMI was still hoping that they're going to get it together. It was in that period. And, and the, the, the equipment was still there. You know, it was something. I mean, kids today can't can't understand the the feeling of being behind those glass windows and just looking at Paul McCartney's bass and 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 uh, and Lennon's uh, piano. You know, and it, it was cool. That's All great. cool That's stuff. Great. That's good. Mala, Phil cast Gary Benson. Gary Benson, get up and shadows. I just don't contact me. Are you it? On and off, on and off. Um, uh, he was quite a sweet guy, very uh, nice Jewish guy. Um, Ludi. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. And uh, and uh, he's cool. He was cool. Uh, he he tried for Eurovision and all. Evans. And and he missed the boat. I think he was more of a good pop writer than a singer. Um, but having said that. He's got an album called Reunion, mm-hmm. and I begged Henry Hathaway for us to do the actual song of the album, Reunion. And, uh, and I, I still might do it. I, it. I never got around, it's a fabulous song. It's a very sort of Christopher Cross type of number. And and it's so soulful. It's it's it's. Uh, I I don't know. There's something about this track that I would like to do. It. I never had the opportunity to get round to it. I might. Here we go. Breaking up. 
All the things that we had felt Where was I? Where was I before you came? And from the first time that I saw you I knew that maybe B-side ta song can't afford to lose attualmente għanda l-pinna ta' Mike McGill li jenna nħobbu ħafna personalment l-għalix nħobbu mħafna l-scaffold kemma s-sens tumorizmu u xinuħu Paul McCartney u niftakaru mu kolanka jiksbu suċċess bis-song ta' Dominic Behan Liverpool Lou fin-1974 fl-għal-bisamija Erbausabajn Kellek iċċansi li titkellem ma' Mike McGear Kif taraħ pala karattru? Differenti na sibda xej min huħu kol? He's more boisterous More naughty Like he's got that sort of Rugby player type of You know Lad Lad jokes I actually Never got close to him at the time it was another situation at the publishers where they came in to play the song which ended up as the b-side and i must i've i've been interviewed so many times and it's it's really interesting how you're the only interviewer in my life that has picked on this nobody ever mentioned or asked me about Maguire, and nobody ever asked me about Can't Make Your Mind, which is the B-side of I Can't Afford To Lose. It's very good. Get the punk of Shadows. He even wrote for the Shadows. Gary Benson, sorry. Yeah, Gary Benson did, not Maguire. And then, funny enough, back in the 80s, I was very friendly with a guy called Paul Caffell, who was a photographer. He did all the platinum prints for McCartney. You know, because that's another story um, with, with Linda McCartney at the time where she was alive. And, and I was very close to, to Paul Caffell, and Paul Caffell was friendly with the whole McCartney mob. And, uh, and then we met. We met in that era where we used to 
meet uh, in a club in Chelsea. I forgot the name of it, actually. Uh, uh, Speakeasy? No, no, it's not. It's a, it's a gentleman's club. It's like the union club. Mm -hmm. But it's for the artists. Mm -hmm. uh, all, you know, all... Uh, I think it's the one in Sloan Square, isn't it? No, 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 no it's further up. It's, yeah. it's what, what's the name? Uh, club A or Club One? I forgot. And you know, you used to have dinner there for about three pounds. And and first class dinner because it was a membership. You know, if you're with a member. You can have dinner there, mm -hmm. you know that kind of thing. Twice as old, much. old English school, yeah, yeah, old yes, English yes, school, like the cuisine mighty over here. That's uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So but it was for the artists, all the big artists. You'd be eating there, yeah, and good. you'd see all the big uh, TV stars, and that's good. you know, that's yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah. John Lucas Can't Make You Mine, il composizione di Mike McGear, il B-side, ta' success gbirti how I can't afford to lose. Se metlin Mike McGear, li niftakruh ma' group The Scaffold. Hammolu l'ura, sal militta, wieħe tu hamsin sena ilu, Meta The Scaffold, kienu edin fil-uċċata tal-klassifika britannika, din il-novelty song. Learning how to fly Brother Tony 
was known to be bony He would never eat his meals And so they gave him medicinal compound Now they move him round on wheels So they put him in a home Where they gave him medicinal compound And now he's a part of Rome Johnny Hammer had a terrible sister Just his hammer He could hardly sustain And so they gave him medicinal compound Now seen Medicinal compound Now they call her Millie B Jennifer Eccles Had terrible freckles And the boys all called her Nepes But she changed with Medicinal compound Now he joins In all their games Despite her medicinal compound, Sandy Piccolilly died. Up to heaven, her soul ascended. All the church bells they did She took with her medicinal كنت كلك تلهق لانجلترا فتيت ورا السوينجينج 60s ينا كنت متى كنت ادنتي في الزاير في 1970 متى البيتلز كانوا سفشاو ادن نفتكر الهاري كيشنا يدورو ننزل نادي انكا نادي انكا نادي انكا جيفيري لانجلترا داك الزمين التفل تشار سنين جيفيري اتنيت افريت الفورسين هاسوس بليتشيتي لما كان يقولك كل بيلبورد داس خايت بستامبي روتيشي تا فيلمز كلك المالتين سوهو كنا نادو من سوهو كنا نراو ها اجفيري دانكين نفتكروا كولان كال انترناشونال تايمز غازيتي بحال كوميونست انجلاند اجفيري دانكينو الاندرغراوند تا انجلترا نستونيدو كسوتو كورنتي اللي كانوا دايين في انجلترا ورا اللي كلك ديك السوشيال اند كالتشرال ريفولوشن اللي فقط في نفس السنين 60 في انجلترا شنو هما الامبرسيونيت تاعك تاعك زمين متى كنت ديك كانت الاول دار بالت لايت ام كنتي يس ات واز بات بات مينلي ذيس از ا فيري هارد كويستشن بيكوز ذا واي يو ديسكرايب ات ذاتس بيكوز ات واز اور ايرا اي مين كيدز اوف توداي 
if you go to Soho, it's mm. it's it's different. Much it's different. totally different. different, but it's as vibrant. It's as vibrant in a different manner. In a different manner. Yes, so, exactly. mm-hmm. so, the only difference then was that it was more revolutionary and pushing boundaries for a reason rather than what's happening now, just for the sake of change, if you get my drift. And that is the passion that I think you're trying to to explain, is that it was all revolutionary. It was in the days of the USSR. It was in the days where long hair was just a phenomenon. It was in the days where how can I put this? It was the the initiation of uh, sex, freedom, rock, and drugs. <laughs> you know, it, it is not that now, <laughs> but it's a fiercer machine now than it was then. Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> so yes, exactly. Um, و كنا مكول مالتين ذاك الزمن اللي كانوا قاعدين يكذبوا سوتشيس كان لك التوني كار اللي كان يكون الاول مالتي موش بحالا فيغورا برينشيبالي كيف كنت انت باي كانت افورد تو لوز كذبت تلات الاول بوست اب فرونت ما دام كان هي واز اي نو وات يو سينغ اي نو وات he is not although he was always in the background he was a main main part of the cop mm-hmm. and especially and with donovan at, with donovan there was with jimmy CC, page of course as well and with ccs with um, ccs and ccs was he was a major major part of ccs, of CCS. because it was his drumming that was very much part of the writing of their music mm-hmm. so there's a lot one can say about Tony. Tony Carr, yes. And he even performed with Paul McCartney's orchestra in the concert for Kampuchea in 1979. Well, I, think, I think at one stage he was, was one even chosen of by McCartney. Yes. Yeah. He w- at one stage he was, uh, he was on the books of the main uh, yes. uh, session bookers. Session bookers, yes, exactly. And, and I think that got him into places that straight on. You know, whenever we see videos at his home, we watch. Uh, quite a, a lot of, of, of videos, especially um, not MTV, the other one, um, VH1. Okay. And they put some videos of the 70s and, f- and some videos from the early 80s. And, you know, he picks up a video. Uh, he sees a video and he, to- he, he tells me, for example, I played on, on, on that session. And it was, for example, it was, one of them was Madness, It Must Be Love. And he told me I did a session on that. I did sessions for that particular song, which yes. was actually a yes. Labi Sifri song. Mm. <coughs> so, so it's like that. It's like that. He practically stopped in the late 80s um, when, he turned in, uh, when he turned 60. Didn't he have uh, arthritis or something? No, no. No? no, no okay, no, no, sorry. No, no, sorry, no, no, no. no. Okay. Um, he just retired, you know. He just okay. retired. But Tony Tony Carr was one one of these Maltese musicians who was um, succeeding. There was Charlie Greenman, other drummer. And um, what what was what was it like? Was there a sort of a fraternity with, between the few Maltese people I... who were in the arts rather than just in the music scene? There was Ray Bonici doing journalism at the time. I don't think so. I think none of us. I think all of us were busy doing our own thing to be, I don't know, maybe some, maybe the others did get together. I don't know, you've got to ask them. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I was in my own scene with the EMI, Paul Rodriguez, Ron McRae, uh, Henry Hathaway, and, uh, and then I got cut off from the scene because I started touring the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did better out there. Um, for some reason, they embraced me. Um, I think, I think it started in Lebanon, mm-hmm. and uh, it was true. Their radio one on Lebanon that uh, Simon Asma absolutely flipped on my music, 
and he is now one of the heads of uh, Al Jazeera. Um, but at the time, he was a DJ there. He was a DJ on National Lebanon, Lebanese Radio One, something like that. But I never forget when I I went there to to initiate the publicity for the tour, not to go on tour, just to do the stations, do television, do chat shows, and and uh, advertise the forthcoming tour in all the Arab states. And I started with his with his uh, show. I never forget this. And uh, I used to have sort of, I was a more trendy looking Omar Sharif. That's what worked I there. The I had longer hair. I had the mustache of Omar Sharif, but I had a longer face and a more feminine face rather than a rugged face. Mm. So it worked for me. But anyway, I never forget coming in for the interview just to go on live, it was early, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and the, at the reception they said, yes, yeah, Simon Asma, John Lucas, okay. So I heard the secretary walk in, he was in the studios like this, and I'm out there. And she told him, John Lucas is here. And he looked like that through the glass, and he saw me, and he went like this, look. And I got nervous. I thought, what, what, what is this? <laughs> and he said, uh, when I walked in, he said, uh, you're the manager or John Lucas? I said, John Lucas. He went, no. He actually loved my voice so much. He imagined me some God-looking guy like Elvis Presley to walk in. Not me, <laughs> you know? And he was like... But then we got on well, and, and, and we did the show, and uh, it took off from there. Then it got embraced uh, in Abu Dhabi, Damascus, Iran. Uh, Iran, uh, I had uh, uh, Gugush, who is uh, the Barbara Streisand of Iran. If you Google her, she's, yes, she's still massive. Mm -hmm. She's still watching. And she invited me on her own shows, and... and uh, and I, I gig with quite a few artists out there because they loved the Italian and French artists. So it was, uh, I was headlining with Modugno, Mal, Patti Bravo, uh, Gilbert Bacco of the time. Oh, that, did, did, you, did you get the chance to meet and speak yeah, with yeah, them, for example? You know, we're working, we're, yeah. we're, we're coming in. Yeah. I'm going into, in backstage, I have my stage, they have theirs, they do their gig, I do mine. We, 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 we sit down to do the press and uh, things like that. We, there was no time of for getting, for getting uh, sociable with them. Uh -huh. And there was also, also the language problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, with Gilbert Bacot, for example, because I loved Gilbert Bacot very, very much. He had a sort yeah. of a passionate, um, and, uh, and and yes, class. and, and the class. class yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, what, what what was his personality like when you, whenever you spoke to him? Yeah. To me, I was I was coming from London, and and I had this sort of long hair. Although I was crooning, I was still sort of uh, London hip. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Uh, which these artists didn't have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These artists were very so somber, yes. except Patti Bravo. Oh, yes. Uh, with Patti Bravo, I related, because at the time, she was, she was dangerous, she was naughty, she was a chick. I mean... She I'm, was a rock chick, But eh? you are surprising me, because... I would have thought that I would have accepted that Gilbert Bacot, notwithstanding you know his his passionate and and and, and the, even his emotive attitude was sort of um, conservative and belonged to the old French school, uh, which he managed to to evoke so well in, uh, and so uniquely in, in in his work. But for example, people like like Mal, Paul Bradley Cooney, an Englishman who found. A lot of of success and lucky in Italy, but he he did it on his own steam, and he managed. I mean, for example, with his band, the Primitives, they managed to um, adopt the um, rhythm and blues, the steamy rhythm yes. and blues yes. style of I the 1960s, yes. and, and 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 adopt it within an Italian context. I mean, that song, yeah. 
was actually the young rascals. Uh, uh, I'm, I ain't gonna eat out my heart anymore, which, which yes. was a hit for them in 1965. Yes. So they just yes. they just translated it into Italian and they gave it a, a, a more forceful sound. Um, and I still remember the original, the original video featuring the rascals in a lake in Central Park apparently directed by Sid Bernstein, who was over here in Malta about 22 years okay. ago, and he passed away only recently. He was 95. Um, and I met him. I had the opportunity to meet Sid Bernstein in, in 95 and interviewed him for the Times. So um, that's, that's a big know. surprise, you know, yeah. Mal, when it comes to Mal. I, I would have expected you maybe, to maybe mention it's, that. Maybe it's, it's my personality or, or maybe them. Mm -hmm. um, I mean... I've worked with Level 42, Lisa Stansfield, Bob Geldof, mm. um, Midjur, mm. but there again, how how come I got more of a rapport with Bob than with any of them? Because Bob is a party guy and he's always got something to say mm -hmm. and he's always happy to have a, to entertain. So, uh, I mean, with Bob, we used to meet at the hotel afterwards at night when all the other artists used to go to sleep and 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 we're talking away and i'm i'm also a night bird and uh, you know i i can relate to those type of people more mm -hmm. you know uh, with gilbert it was very uh, a different generation as well he's an introvert man he, he was he yeah i found him that, i mean you, do, you these guys are working you know like they couldn't let's say if you were asking them to describe me, well, how can they describe me? John Lucas, Wemek Adna Kipsmaini, Permets, the song. This time, if I can't come in, then we have a program. 
illi jisimum l-almanak tal-milijiet fejn jiena nati ħarsa lura lej milijiet fil-imodi u għandi u koll nismar butin mal-milijiet jew inkella ma' suċċessi mill-imodi u illum et nifoka ftit u koll fuq John Lucas wieħed minn tlet maltin illi irnexxew barra minn Malta fil-kasta John Lucas suċċesti għu kien fl-Europa l-lum il-ġurnata bbazat fl-Ingilterra u għandi u koll il-Charlie Grima u l-Tony Carr li suċċesti taħħum kienu ibbazati iktar fl-Ingilterra iktar tart f'dana il-program John Lucas għandu ħafna rabtiet ma' artisti għbar Dawn l-artisti ma' dom xik tal-mana Fostom Marvin Gaye kif ħajajdinna l-istess John Lucas Basically, again, I never met him through work I never met him backstage or I met him through a party where he was socializing and I was amazed how he took to me but I think he took to me because the girlfriend uh, that I knew then uh, introduced me to him and I think he was more interested in the girl I think he was after the girl and and I got in the middle and we got friendly it was man-to-man talk and and we got on that level that we could meet the next day a kind of relationship and then I did and uh, and then I was meeting him in Palace Court where he was staying but then I I started understanding more what was going on because at the time he had uh, left America with Bobby, who now apparently is called Marvin Gaye Jr. And he he was falling out, he was breaking up with his wife. And uh, I don't know if you know that she was the sister of Barry Gordy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were withholding his money and uh, she was putting... Uh, 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 she was reporting him because it's in, in, in America it's, it's a kidnap if you take your son during a divorce so she was putting a kidnap charge on him uh, Barry Gordy was holding on his money so there you go uh, 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 a party king Marvin being free in London with no money and uh, with a lifestyle that anybody into sex, drugs, and rock and roll would envy big time. He was he was upside down, man. He was he was doing things, and uh, the most the most uh, uh, thing he was doing is really living in bed. He had models walking into that flat, but I tell you, man. I've never seen such beautiful girls. They were top-class models. They're all going straight to the bedroom with him. And that's when he was writing Sexual Healing. He pumped every every piece of action in there. Was in that record. And he was doing it. He was doing a lot of coke. It was insane what he was doing. Anyway, back to music. At one stage, he said to me, John, play me what you write. And I did. And while I played the third song, you sort of look back to see the reaction. And he was flat, totally flat. And I said, so what do you think, Marvin? But I felt, you know, you got that feeling like nothing's going to happen here. And he said, John, you wrote this music. What touched you while you were writing this music? Because, my man, you didn't touch me. And I said, what do you mean, Marvin? He said, it's flat. There's no soul. He was so direct in his, his approach. No, of course. Yeah. I was asking a, a, a very serious question. Yeah. He said, it's flat. He said, give me the line. And I went, she's a girl, she don't know right from wrong, she goes out every night without me, leaving me waiting. And he went, okay, so you're talking about a girl that's let you down. 
So why are you singing in a happy mode? Why aren't you down about it? And then I can write the music around it. I can make the passion. Ah, and he said, and then when you elevate the song, you elevate your, your soul with it and give, give, make people feel what you're feeling. Show the pain, show. So, because I was more into doing the vocal acrobatics that I was taught. And it's not about that, man. Sometimes you can lose the pitch, it's not important. It's your soul. I mean, Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, even McCartney, even Lennon. If you hear them well, they, they throw off the pitch. They're more interested in throwing what, what the message is and acting the message is more important. And that was lecture number one that has suited me and, and has done very well for me. Um, he, he got contracted with Henry Hathaway, who then started Central Rocket Records, to produce the album for me. And all I got is uh, just, I, all I ended up was his congas and direction on some strings, because the whole production never, 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 uh, never came to fruition, because uh, at one stage he owed a lot of money for, for drugs, and uh, he wanted Henry Hathaway, I think it was in the 80s, there was 20 grand involved in the whole production of the album, and he wanted uh, uh, a grand or 1,500 quid upfront every time before he came to the studio. And, and Henry said, it's not I don't trust you, man. He said, but you've done it twice already. We've had the band here waiting and you didn't turn up. So, and then he got offended. He was telling Henry, you know, you don't tell me what to do. And I don't like your style telling me, that, you know, all this. And, uh, and it was going silly. And, and there's me, pig in the middle, who really wanted this album done. You know, and it never happened. And then he left to Belgium. I remember one, uh, I think it was a Friday before a weekend, and he phoned me. I was living in Ilford at the time. And he phoned me and he said, John, I need to leave London. He said, can I stay the weekend with you? And my wife had just had Ashley at the time. And she said, no, I'm not going to have him here. And she wouldn't. And then from then on, uh, I chased uh, Palace Court about two, three weeks later, and, uh, and all the friends that I knew that were hanging about with him, they said he left, he went to Belgium. I think after that, he got himself together and uh, then went to tour on sexual healing, and that's where he got the uh, fracas with his dad. Yes, yes. And afterwards, actually, actually afterwards, because he did make quite a lot of money with sexual healing. It was a huge success. You couldn't get the money. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I tell you why, because yeah. he then signed uh -huh. with uh, CBS, mm -hmm. yes, but he yes. signed with CBS Europe because because uh, Barry Gordy wouldn't free him, mm. and then. Uh, there was a, a loophole where he could sign with CBS, and I think sexual healing came out on CBS. On CBS. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, Columbia, and yeah, exactly. And uh, and what happened is I'm, I'm not certain about this, but you know it's to this effect: Barry Gordy could claim from CBS any proceeds because he owned the artist. Mm. So he arranged. And I had a part of this because I told him, why don't you put everything in the name of your dad or mm. your mother or... So they pay, but, and then Gordy hasn't got a claim on, on the exactly. parents. Yeah. It was a legal thing. I think yeah, it he did it. Loophole, which you could but then on the tour, he was owing more money in coke. That he, he, he was coming to his dad and going like, give me the money, give me the money. Mm. 
And his dad was saying, I'm not giving you the money. It was that kind of thing. And apparently the fracker, then uh, he was staying with his dad because his, his dad ended up his bank. So he ended up. So sad. Yeah, it is at that age. Uh, it was only 45, you know, when he died. It was, and, it, and, and, and I tell you, man, the guy was genuinely beautiful. And outwardly and inwardly. We used to walk into a club or, or a restaurant and he had this aura. You know, the women all like gave him a second look, I tell you. He was tall, he had, he was a beautiful black. You know, and, and when black is beautiful, cool, yes. it is exactly. really beautiful. Exactly. He had that, he had that. I mean, and he knew, he knew.
Emekad nakif smajna lil Marvin Gaye permezz ta dika song I want to come home for Christmas li hadetna lura sal 1972 u qalilna ukoll dika l'intervista speciali li jiena tajtkom ukoll għal dan il-programm l-almanak tal-militeri kmontfur tawnik għal l-consoles fejn illum iħat niffoka fuq Maltin li jilna xew barra me Malta partikolarment fil-Renju Nid għalkem John Lucas il-suċċesti għawkien iktar fil-Europa u fil-Vant Nofsani izda minna unuftit juħor ħaj kolli kem l-Charlie Grima kifu koll l-Tawni Kar li jilna xew għafna fil-Renju Nid zawċ Maltin il-li għamlu isan gbira l-pajjizna